Welcome to Mosaic, living biblically in an unbiblical world. God is putting together the tiles of our lives so that we can glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Join me, Dr. James Brown, member of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, as we discover how to orient our lives on God's Word and live for Him. Last week, we started talking about how people choose the right church to go to. We talked about you should go to church on Sundays in person. But today, let's open up the discussion a little farther and talk about how do you choose the right church. So join me as we start this really important conversation. According to the Hartford Institute for Religious Research, there's over 350,000 congregations comprising over 200 different denominations and non-denominational Christian churches in the United States alone. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll tell me they're trying to find a new church or a right church or a better church, but they haven't found one yet. And even though that seems a little ridiculous to say, if there's over 350,000 different congregations, maybe we can be understanding that they're paralyzed by choice. But how do most people determine which church to attend and which to participate in. Well, most people choose a church based upon their own taste and likes. Let's face it, here in the United States, bigger means more successful and a bigger impact. The larger the church, the more it must be successful, the more it must be making an impact. The truth is that's not the case and that's usually the exact opposite of the way God works. According to the Hartford Institute, most congregations are 75 people. I agree with that. And personally, I would say that less than 75 people is a great sized church. At 75 people, you should be looking to plant a new church. But why do I say 75 people or less? At 75 people or less, you can build strong community and relationships with the entire church. And you can be a participant and a communicant member of an entire church that is growing together, loving one another, encouraging one another, and being discipled together to make a big impact into your community. But the reality is, is that most people look at church for customer service based. They're looking for something that's emotional or that brings them a sense of joy or a sense of purpose. They look for friendliness and programming and the types of service and sermons that are preached. They look for the architecture. They, they look for different mission trips that they can be involved in. Years ago, there were friends of ours that left the church and went to a different church down the road, a big non-denominational church. And that big non-denominational church, every fourth Sunday, they would not hold worship together, but they would go out and serve the community. And that sounds really nice, but the reality is, is that Sunday is reserved for worship. You're to go out and do the work of the church other days of the week, but Sunday is reserved for worship. Many years ago, I was a member of a non-denominational church, and I heard these two following statements, even though they were at different times. The first statement was, invite your family and friends to church. You don't need to talk to them or try to convert them about your faith. Get them here and let the music and the skits and the teaching from the pulpit do the work. And a few years after that, this same church declared they would never have anyone 40 years old or older on stage because the target group, and the word I would use, is the target market group they were looking for were the young professionals. And honestly, that got a lot of cheers and a lot of nodding of the head. But neither of those statements show a biblical understanding of the church. It's not uncommon today to hear, I'm not a Baptist or a Methodist or Episcopalian or a Presbyterian or an Anglican. I'm a follower of Christ and I don't don't really need that denominational stuff. I go to a non-denominational church. You know, and there's a rise in non-denominational churches. They're becoming prevalent in the Protestant 
Protestant world is people become estranged from denominations. Now that word estranged is probably not the best word for me to use, but it makes sense to me. People are leaving denominational churches because of a couple of reasons. One reason is there's a cultural slide of syncretism, heresy, apostasy. Some might call it progressive Christianity, liberalism, or wokeism, but it's affecting denominational leadership. That same apostasy and heresy and syncretism is affecting people in their personal lives. They don't have a desire for biblical accountability over their personal choices because they're perpetuating a myth of a complete personal autonomy where the only people they have to worry about is themselves. They don't have to worry about living in a community, but ironically, they'll be the same ones complaining that there's no community. So what are some differences between non-denominational churches and denominational churches? Let's look at the non-denominational churches first. So if you go to a non-denominational church, you're not going to get a lot of ritualism or traditionalism. It's going to be free and devoid of all of that. They're going to be focused simply on the worship service or the programming. And that seems to attract a lot of people that are kind of tired or bored with ritualism and traditionalism. The other thing about non-denominational churches is it's easier for them to pivot and move and to adapt to the culture around them. There's not a lot of hierarchy. There's not a lot of rules and creeds and bylaws that they have to abide by. They can just make a decision to change and that's okay. The other side of that is it's usually personality driven. Many non-denominational churches are based around a single personality as either the senior pastor or the teaching pastor or whatever the case may be. And that person planted the church because they felt like they could do it better or that God was calling them to plant a new church, but not to be part of any man-made institution of a denomination. What happens is when that leader fails morally or when they leave or they decide that they got their calling wrong, well, the church is based around that person. It begins to crumble and fall apart. And the other thing is there's really not a lot of accountability in non-denominational churches because they're on their own. I mean, they may be part of a network of churches, but really there's not a lot of accountability outside the church because they're kind of a freelance entity, if that makes sense. Now, what about the denominational churches? Denominational churches are going to follow historic confessions or creeds. The denomination I'm part of, the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, we adhere to the Westminster Standards, and that means the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and the Westminster Larger Catechism, and the Book for Public Worship, and the Book for Private Worship. That helps to give us boundaries and rules and understanding, and teaches us the theology of the church. Other times, denominational churches can feel like there's not much emotion, that people are, are just going through the motions of being there. I remember being criticized one time for being a Presbyterian as being part of the frozen chosen, that they were just going through the signs, but, but there wasn't a lot of life there. I would disagree with that. I mean, that's probably the case in some instances, but the way I would disagree with that is that sometimes the still waters of a river are the ones that run the deepest. Another aspect of denominationalism is that changes are slow due to that level of accountability, whether it's a congregational autonomous rural church or one with presbytery or whatnot. Everything's got to go through a process. And as it's going through the process, it's being prayed over and vetted on to make sure it's the right thing. Rules are the denominational creeds and confessions, and the changes are based upon the understanding of those creeds and confessions, not based upon the whims of a single personality. And the other side of that is standards can be steep. You have to sign on to the denomination. You can't just sort of be half in and half out. You've got to sign on to it. Personally, I prefer denominations. The reason why is because they do rest on historic confessions or creeds. There's a level of transparency and accountability that's just not there in a lot of non-denominational churches. But how do you choose the right church to attend? Well, there's a couple of things that I would tell you that you need to look into. Do your own research. In today's world, most churches have a 
website. Take a look at their website. What is their statement of faith? What is their statement of beliefs? Is it based on historic creeds and confessions? Or is it just some sort of simply run-of-the-mill, we believe the Bible and we're a New Testament church? And if they do give a statement of beliefs, look up those statements of beliefs in your own scripture. And does the church maintain a sense of scriptural authority? In other words, is the Bible infallible and inspired and the only rule by which we have that we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever? And does it teach us what we're to believe about God? But then also, who are the leaders in the congregation accountable to? Are they accountable to anyone? Are they accountable to no one? Remember what the writers of Hebrews said in chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who give to account. That means there's a level of accountability that you're supposed to have to the leaders of the church. And just as you're to have accountability to the leaders of the church, who are the leaders of the church accountable to? Now, if you're truly searching for a denomination and you want to be part of the denomination, shameless plug here, you can find a great home in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. So my encouragement to you is find a church that's biblically based. Find a church that highlights scripture. Find a church that truly worships God. I mean, when I read some of the scriptures, for instance, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is asking the disciples who people say that he is. And in verse 14, it says, and the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter replied, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I'll tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter upon this rock, I will build programs and outreach services. But he said, I will build my church. And then we have the great commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore go and build programs in large mega churches. He didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples. So this weekend, go to church, go to a good church, worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, surrounded by the saints who have been loved by him and redeemed by him. So until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. If you enjoy this podcast, I host another podcast called 10 Minute Catechism based on the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You can find both wherever you get your podcast.